Welcome to a special Dell Technologies Healthcare Power Chat Genomics Edition podcast, where you hear from the experts about genomics and next-generation sequencing technologies. Hello, everyone. Bruce Hall here, and welcome to another Dell Technologies Healthcare Power Chat Genomics Edition. And today we're going to be talking about managing next-generation sequencing data at scale. And our guests are Dr. Vaughn Witoff, co-founder and chief commercial officer at Petagene, and Mr. Phil Sweeney, who's a director of Digital Edge and Healthcare and Life Sciences for Dell Technologies. How are you doing today, Vaughn and Phil? Great to be speaking to you again, Bruce. Nice to talk to you today, Bruce. Gentlemen, great to have you on the podcast. Why don't we start with a little bit of your backgrounds, and Vaughn, could we start with you? Thanks, Bruce. Yeah, my name is Vaughn Witoff. I'm co-founder and chief commercial officer at Petagene. We're headquartered in Cambridge, UK. At Petagene, we produce software for management of genomic data. Petagene provides software to help compress that data, to help with access to that data, and to help protect that data, all in a transparent, efficient way. My background is technical as well as commercial. I'm a physicist and an engineer with a PhD in physics, and I was a senior lecturer before commercializing my work in Cambridge. And Phil, could we have some of your background, please? Sure. Thanks, Bruce. Yeah, I'm going on about 14 years here at Dell Technologies. I spent the last 10 or so covering our healthcare and life sciences vertical as an enterprise architect. During that time, I got to spend a lot of time with CIOs and CDOs working on projects affecting R&D and the informatics teams, working with different research institutes, medical device manufacturers, CROs, pharma and biotech and the like. And now in my current role, I look after our edge business for healthcare and life sciences. We build solutions that have a meaningful impact for the industry. All right. Sounds great. And once again, great to have you both with us. Phil, why don't we start with you? We've had prior podcasts on next generation sequencing or NGS, but could you give us a refresher on NGS and why it is important? Absolutely. And for folks that don't know, NGS has actually been around at least for commercial use since about 2005. And the method was initially called massive parallel sequencing. And this is because it enabled sequencing of many DNA strands at the same time instead of one at a time with traditional Sanger sequencing. On the research side, there's a plethora of use cases, but I'll name a few. The ability to rapidly sequence whole genomes is key, as well as to look at the ability to deeply sequence target regions, such as the protein coding portion of the genome, or maybe a specific gene of interest to a researcher. Some of the other things that we look at, Bruce, is the ability to identify novel pathogens, such as where we find ourselves today in our current climate, and the ability to study the human microbiome as well. So there's the research side. What's happening on the clinical side? In the clinical side, the benefit is actually to interrogate many targets at the same time, and this could be upwards of a million targets. For example, in a cancer patient, a tumor may have multiple mutations. And if you go the traditional route using molecular assays, which are commonly used in the clinical settings, multiple assays may have to be performed for multiple mutations, and a large amount of tissue may be needed for all these assays. Using NGS, everything can be done in one test. There's less tissue from the patient that is needed, and the results of many DNA targets are obtained from one test. And this is where we get into the application around personalized medicine and combination therapies. So I can remember, Phil, the big uproar that happened and the big celebration when we first sequenced the human genome, and now it's very common, right? So can you help us understand how and why the use of NGS is growing so rapidly? 
the real driver is cost, just like anything else in this world. NGS is getting cheaper and cheaper as we improve our technologies. If you look back at one point, it was around $50,000 to sequence a genome, and now we can do it below 1000 In fact, I was searching the internet earlier today to see what other offerings are out there, and I saw some companies even offering it for 100 So there are different price points based upon your needs. The use is also expanding beyond research into both the clinical side and in other areas. It's used for biomarker discovery, oncology studies, personalized medicine, but also in agriculture and animal research and other things. This is all kind of contributing to the growth. Looking at the market itself around NGS and its whole ecosystem, it's going to be about a $18 billion market by 2026. And it's growing in double digits. So there's plenty to do in this space. I think we're still in the area where we consider it the tip of the iceberg. In terms of just sheer data, we're expecting it to reach right around 40 exabytes by 2025, so another four years. So it's, it's a tremendous amount of data that we need to both understand and being able to manage as our research partners start to go down this endeavor. Vaughn, turning to you, your company, Petagene, makes products that help manage this explosion of NGS data, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But for now, how do you see NGS evolving in terms of use cases? When Petagene first went to market five years ago, all of the data was being produced and stored by research organizations and academia. Since then, it's moved in the last couple of years to pharma, and that's where we see the large use cases are at the moment. And the next stage is it's going to move to clinical. All three of these use cases are important, but the latter two are larger and growing, and they have different requirements to storage and use of NGS in an academic setting. Phil, coming back to you, when we think about processing NGS data, obviously it puts a tax on any system that's assigned to do it. Tell us about the components of successful NGS processing, and tell us about Dell's role in enabling this processing as a technology partner. As you'd imagine, there's a tremendous amount of compute power that's needed for the secondary analysis phase of NGS. This can be done on traditional CPU, but we're also seeing some new technologies on the GPU side on how to do the alignment and other features of the secondary analysis. We also need a tremendous amount of storage, as you would imagine, with my prior comment to where we think the market's going to be. Every individual organization is going to have their role and how they manage the storage. And then we also need a very robust networking capabilities to make sure that the data is able to be transferred during the secondary and tertiary analysis process. But also as we look to scale out how many different samples we can run. So that's a great review of the technology that Dell can provide directly to help with NGS processing. What other capabilities does Dell enable in this market? We also have the ability for Dell customers to not be left to their own devices, so to speak. We have an HPC lab that's continuously evaluating and testing new software packages, such as the Broads GATK, as they come to market. And what they do is they put out some best practice white papers, validate designs on how to run these pipelines the most efficient way possible. And we also have other partnerships that are kind of big players in this space both Intel and NVIDIA, and obviously our partnership with Petagene. And lastly, we actually work with some of the sequencing manufacturers, and they use Dell Technologies under the covers for some of their solutions that they sell out to help with this NGS endeavor. So we have high-performance computing, storage requirements, network requirements, just an explosion in processing. When you talk to customers about this, how do you frame up the challenges associated with managing NGS data? 
There are quite a bit of challenges, but there is a way to overcome each and every one of them. Some of the things that we look at is how do we handle this large influx of data while still being smart about how we adapt new technologies to assist. What we don't want to do is come up with a strategy and paint ourselves into a corner six months, nine months, or even a few years down the road. Thinking about how we preserve the data and how it can be restored to its original form. So what type of lossless capabilities do we have? How do we handle the performance requirements? As we mentioned previously on the compute side or the networking side, we want to be sure that we're up to stuff on the latest technologies so that we get the most efficient processing possible. And how do we ensure availability for the data so our researchers always have ready access to it? And lastly, how do we share data across our organization and our collaboration partners so that we have the most efficient way possible to move these new therapies forward? So challenges in storing the data, preserving it, ensuring good performance, ensuring availability, providing an exit strategy, and sharing that data. There must be an acronym in there somewhere, Phil. I don't know if you've Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I got to go find it. I'm sure I'll coin a phrase and we can use it on the next podcast. Yeah, first. okay, there you go. Well, we can say that we talked about it here and we'll <laughs> mention it in the next Genomics podcast. Vaughn, turning to you, can you expand on the challenges that Phil mentioned and how does Petagene address these challenges? Thanks. That was a good list of challenges that Phil mentioned, and I agree with all of them. The amount of data produced by NGS operations is challenging, to say the least, and compression is an obvious way to deal with those volumes of data. One of the things that Petagen provides is NGS compression, but people don't want to have to retool. BAM files and FastQ files are here to stay. All the tools and pipelines support them. They're the effective industry standard, and no one wants to support a new file type. At Petagene, we've developed a way that people don't have to do that. They can access the files in their original format. By the same token, people don't want to have to decompress the files in order to use them. And so with Petagene, you don't have to do that either. We present the files back virtually so that they stay compressed on the storage and are viewed as the original format by the tools and pipeline with on-the-fly random access decompression. In all this talk of compression and decompression, there's concern about loss, correct? How does Petagene address that? People wonder, okay, if Petagene is having such tremendous compression ratios, what are they doing? Are they bidding quality scores, smoothing quality scores, deleting metadata, changing read names? No. Petagene doesn't change anything within the file. The genomic data is perfectly preserved bit for bit. But not only that, the external GZIP or BAM, which is BGZF wrapper, that GZIP wrapper, as I'm sure the listeners know, if you unzip and rezip a file, while the internal data is preserved, the GZIP representation changes. Petagene has come up with a way of preserving that GZIP representation as well as the internal data so that the MD5 or SHA-256 checksum of that GZIP or BAM file is preserved through compression. This concludes part one of our podcast. Check back for part two where Vaughn completes his review of Petagene's capabilities in addressing the challenges of NGS processing and outlines Petagene's product set. Phil talks about Petagene and Dell's partnership, and both Vaughn and Phil share success stories, where to find more info, and final thoughts. 